We offer a celebration to Kevin and Robin Presley and their son Kurt's wedding to Katie last night in Dallas. If they're listening or watching or recorded, uh, many prayers and celebrations with them this weekend. Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we come before you seeking to understand what it means to be a righteous person. Lord, open our hearts to hear your message and not just hear it in our minds, but that our hearts may be stirred to receive the grace that you offer us. Lord, thank you for your abundant grace. Thank you for the opportunities we have to hear it over and over and to grow closer to you and each other as a result. Lord, in this Lenten season, as we seek to be gathered up into your arms and in your presence, Lord, may our hearts be stirred that we look for a place with you. We understand, Lord, that those things that separate us, those things we've done, those things we keep doing, Lord, you offer your forgiveness, but help us to change our ways, to receive you, to live with you, and for you. In your name I pray, amen. Well, the fact about me that you might not know is that I was born in a bank on the corner of 7th Street and Main Street. My, my daughter's already shaking her head this morning. <laughs> Sorry. The real truth is, since they're here to hold me accountable, is it is a bank today, but back in 1969 when I was born, it was a hospital, but it's been changed to a bank. And this bank is right on the corner, just separated in the parking lot from First United Methodist Church in Columbus. A place that I grew up, a place that I loved to go, a place that we were there every Sunday, sitting in the fourth pew on the right where my daddy grew up also. Anybody doing that this morning? Every Sunday morning. Sunday night youth group, Wednesday night youth and fellowship. I loved to be at the church. It was a place that nurtured me and that enjoyed the people that were around. But it really wasn't until eighth grade that I began to understand what church was all about. We went on a retreat. It was winter break after Christmas and the youth joined other youth groups around. And a speaker came and began to stir me and toward the end... He offered us to close our eyes and raise our hand if we wanted to accept this good news that was being shared. I did. I did, and I met with some leaders afterwards and began to be discipled and, and understand what it means to, to be saved, what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Now, I admit, this was not a one-time salvation experience for me. It, it took years for me to understand, and I'm still understanding and growing in this relationship with Christ together. But it was that moment, and even today, this moment, and this morning, that God, my Father in heaven, continues to redeem me. I want to share with you a story today about a father. A father whose son had run away but came back and he openly received him. He welcomed him home. It's the story you know of the prodigal son. 
Prodigal meaning reckless or wasteful or extravagant. But it's also the story of a wonderful father's love and grace that he offers. So let us join together in this gospel story from Luke chapter 15. The first three verses and then beginning at verse 11 through 32. I hope online you'll get your Bibles and join for those present, your Bibles devices or the Bibles in the pews before you, as we look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he began to tell them parables, and he lists the parable and shares it, And then this parable beginning in verse 11. Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided the property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And while there, he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had had spent everything... A severe famine spread through the countryside, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. While there, he would have gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while still far off, his father saw him and filled with compassion He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead but is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your father, your brother, excuse me, has come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, Dad, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because 
This brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost, but now he's been found. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this story is about mainly three people. A reckless son, a compassionate father, and a bitter brother. The reckless son runs away, spends his inheritance, feels the hunger pains, and returns to find a place in his father's household. The compassionate father gives to his youngest son the inheritance that he has requested of him. He sees his son leave and he doesn't stop him. And we begin to see the pain of the father, of when the son is gone, and the joy in the father when his son returns. Did you catch what the father did when he saw the son coming home? He ran. He ran to be with him. A a cultural not you're supposed to do. But then he embraces him and kisses him. And then the bitter brother. Pain, jealousy, anger, outrage that his brother, who he only refers to as your son, gets the party. The party and the fatted calf and the music that he never has gotten. Not only will he gain everything that the father has, but his joy could be restored with the father and with the brother only if he accepts it. But he refuses. Under Jewish law, the eldest son usually received a double portion of the inheritance. It's not unusual for one's inheritance to be distributed before the father dies. But to ask for it was absolutely unheard of. It was so disrespectful. But the father didn't argue with the son. I guess this was one of those lessons he was going to have to learn, he thought. You know, as we look at each of these, the bitter brother and the compassionate father and the reckless son there's really a sermon on each that it would take to explain but I want to focus on the compassionate father and I really want to focus today on one moment the moment when the son returns and the father embraces the son the son's selfishness and his sinfulness is what has separated him from his family but the father is waiting with open arms to welcome him home What separates us from God? What separates us from family? But our wrong choices, our own selfishness that diminish our spiritual lives. We've talked about that in the season of Lent, and last week I emphasized it. But today, I want us to hear the other side. God's gift, a love and grace that he awaits to offer each of us, even among our wrong choices. Just as God through Jesus called people in the New Testament to accept the relationship that God offers them, God offers us today a relationship. A relationship to be connected or reconnected to Him and to our family and friends around us. A relationship of unconditional love and grace. A relationship we see in the father's compassion for his reckless son. 
A relationship that we don't just need to hear in our mind. A story that we don't need to hear again that we knew as a kid and we've read as an adult. But a story in which our heart is open to receive. Grace is what brings us to that moment. The moment that some people refer to as salvation or even as being saved. What is grace? But a free, undeserved, unmerited, unconditional gift from God. We talk about grace, and I've referred several times to provenient grace, the grace in which brings us to the point to recognize God moving in our life. We've talked about a grace that happens after we accept Christ, the sanctifying grace that we seek to continue to live as we seek to be a follower of Christ. But I want to talk about that moment in between. It's that moment of acceptance that we call justifying grace. God accepts us. And when we accept God, everything changes. The prodigal son turned away from his life of misery and feeding, wanting to eat pigs and the slop of which they ate, or eat the slop that the pigs eat. And he returns home and he's greeted by the open arms of his father. It's at that moment that justifying grace is evident. When we turn, when we return to the arms of God, no matter how many times, our Heavenly Father is there welcoming us to restore us into a relationship with Him. Let me put it another way. Perhaps you can remember dating possibly in high school or college. At least for guys, you don't want to ask someone if they're not going to say yes. So you, you find out behind the scenes if they're interested. You find out if maybe they are going to, you know, willing to go out. You, you kind of woo that relationship and you prepare it so when you ask, hopefully they say yes. And maybe that relationship gets a little more serious and your priorities begin to change. Hopefully not away from school. But your priorities begin to change. And things around you begin to change. And the relationship begins to change. God in that way pursues us. He woos us. And when we accept it and things get a little more serious, not only does our relationship with God change, but our relationship with others around us changes. The story about a famous evangelist who came to town. Back in the days when the big tent revivals or the revivals at the Coliseum, this one was at the Coliseum in town. And so the man was going to the post office to mail a letter. Every town he went to, he tried to mail a letter to his family just to let him know that, that he is thinking of them. But as happened, sometimes he got lost. He wasn't sure where he was. He didn't know where the post office was, so he saw a boy that was walking along the sidewalk. He stopped, and he rolled down his window, and he asked the boy where the post office is. He said, sure, you've got to turn around, go back to Main Street, take a left, and the post office is there on the right. He thanked him, was about to roll his window up, and he looked in his seat, and he saw a flyer, a flyer that was talking about the crusade that was being held at night. And he said, son, I want to give you this flyer and invite you to come to the crusade and find out how you can find Jesus Christ. The boy looked at him and said, fat chance, mister, you can't even find the post office. 
Thank goodness we don't have to go looking for Jesus. Thank goodness we don't have to search and know where we can find Jesus. Because Jesus has already found us. But we have to respond. We have to respond to the one who's died for all of us. And our response is an act of grace. Is an act of faith. Our salvation is instantaneous, but it doesn't stop there. It's continuous. For some, there's a defined moment of a defined date in a defined place at a defined time. But for some, it's a continuous process that one day we come to realize and accept for ourselves. So we have been saved by grace, we are being saved by grace, and we will be saved by grace becomes true statements all together. And thank goodness that God's grace continues through each step. Especially when I do or we do what Paul says, why do I always do that which I shouldn't do? We can be assured of God's grace because of Christ's death on the cross. He gave us his life to prove it. Right? It's John 3.16. We know. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But let us also remember John 3.17. The next verse. Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's the sacrifice of God's Son on the cross, Jesus, that opened for us this offering of salvation and relationship restored with Him. A relationship that restores our relationship with God, but also a relationship that restores our relationship with each other. Our conversion, our salvation continues as we continue to say yes to Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And the more we come to understand God and understand ourselves, the more we realize we need God. And the more we realize how important it is to spend time in His Word, to spend time in worship and fellowship, (laughs) to find places to connect and find places to serve, knowing that God can only meet our our deepest needs. God's justifying grace is not only God saying yes to us, but it's us saying yes to God. We've got a choice. God woos our minds. He speaks to us and it it pricks some interest, but there's a time when our hearts are open. If we are open to our hearts being open. God chooses us, us all first by grace. But it's that same grace that gives us the freedom to respond or not respond. God doesn't dictate our response. It's a free choice. It's an act of the will. It's an act of faith. At prayer breakfast this Thursday morning, I heard or was shared one of the verses was Hebrews 11.1. A verse I hope you know, I hope you've memorized, I hope you're familiar with. 
Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. It's a verse I've known, but I hadn't heard it in a while, and it was a verse I needed to hear that day. A, vo- a verse, especially in the times that we are facing, that speaks much to who we are and called to be and what we are called to hold on to. An act of trust. To take the cross and to take our burdens to God and trust in that faith that we have received or has been offered to us and to walk forward following him. Sometimes God touches our heart and I've shared with you briefly my own story. Our response is one of love and enthusiasm, but it's not an emotional trip. It's so much more. Our acceptance is not just membership into the local church, but it's being a disciple of Christ. It's being a follower of Christ. Our response is one of trust and obedience, that he'll show us how to live. Our faith, our salvation doesn't come and doesn't come from obedience or good works but our salvation produces those good works. We see examples of that life-giving grace of God in the lives of those who have gone before us. Just as they received, they received Christ, they've been a beacon for us to follow in our own acceptance. The mission of the larger church is to make disciples of Christ for the transformation of the world. Our mission in being a vital and growing community is that Christ transforms lives. We don't transform them. Christ is the one doing the transformation. We're hopefully building a setting and an opportunity where people's hearts can be open to that experience. That we can continue to build upon that foundation for years to come. That's why continual study of God's word, continued disciplines of prayer and worship together become so important too. I close with this story. Once there was a little girl whose parents had died, so she went to live with her grandmother. Her grandmother lived in an old house and she lived in the second floor in one of the bedrooms there. Unfortunately, the house caught on fire, and being an old house, the fire began to spread pretty rapidly. And so the grandmother went to rescue her granddaughter, but was not able to and perished in the fire. The town began to gather. The people began to come to her house and seeking something to do. They could hear the little girl screaming from the upstairs window, but nobody could rescue her. And they got the fire department or the rescue squad, but it was going to take a while for them to get there, and they knew they needed to act quickly. So a man came out of nowhere and had a tall ladder and he put it up in one of the back windows, broke the window, went inside, found the girl and began to carry her down the ladder. As he reached the bottom, the rescue squad arrived to take the girl and take her off to the hospital to be sure that she was okay and the man disappeared. It was a few months later and the little girl had no living relatives so the court had to find out the custody of one who would care for her. The little girls in the courtroom along with other people, other people who were willing to care for this little girl. 
One was a school teacher. I mean, that makes sense, right? One who can educate the children and one who could take care of her and knows what she needs and relate to her and provide for her. She was willing to keep the little girl. Another was a farmer, a farmer who said, I can't provide her a whole lot, but I can provide her a stable home. Stable home. She'll have to work and, and that there will be responsibility, but she'll have all that she needs. Another was a rich young lady who said, I can provide for her all that she would ever need and send her to the best school and give her the best clothes. I can take care of her. And others began to come up and share why they would be a good person to take this little girl in. At the end, the judge looked at the crowd and said, is there anybody else who has anything that they would like to say? And so a gentleman in the back who was, never, who was not well off or well educated wearing simple clothes, began to walk with a limp to the front of the courtroom. He saw the girl, and the girl saw him, and the girl jumped into his arms and put her face in, on his shoulder and began to sob. The man opened up his arms when she jumped, and the crowd would gasp because they could see the burnts and the scars that had, had taken place. And the little girl looked at the judge and said, this is the man who rescued me this night. This is the man who rescued me that night. And she smiled. And the judge looked back at her and looked over the crowd and said, I think I have made my decision. No matter where you have been or what you have been through, no matter how many scars you have caused or have been caused to you, God opens his arms, his scarred arms, and welcomes you home. Are we willing to jump into his arms? God's made the first move. He gave us his son Jesus. Are we willing to say yes to his grace and accept this gift for us, for you? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we recognize the sin in our lives that separates us from you. We recognize the hurt and pain that we have caused others. But Lord, when we pause for just a minute, we, we recognize the yearning we have to be home with you. Perhaps as a child we've made this decision. Perhaps we've wrestled with the decision and we've not made it official. Perhaps, Lord, in our life we come to a point that... The burden's too heavy. The fight is too hard. The pain is too real. So, Lord, for that pain of our heart, we pray that you come and hold us. You've already accepted us. Lord, just help us to accept you or accept you again. <coughs> recognizing it's your love and grace that makes it all possible. 
Lord, we've heard this story. May today our hearts be open to respond. In your name we pray. Amen.